the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. So what is new about this new commandment? Stick around and find out next here on Truth For Today. I am the Lord thy God, I change not. I am the Alpha and Omega. And the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yet here in John 13, he gives us something new. Hi there. Welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard takes us to John 13 today, verses 31 through the end of the chapter, as Jesus gives a new commandment. But is it new, really? Or is it just a new way of showing an old commandment? Well, let's catch up with Pastor Phil today as we take a look at what is new about the new commandment. Here's Pastor Phil. Jesus is in the upper room. He's there to show the full extent of his love. That's exactly what he said in verse 1. And in showing that love, he does something that is radical, something we could never expect God to do. And that is, he strips his outer garment and he takes on the apron or the cloak of a servant, a household slave, and he begins to wash the feet of his followers. It's a humiliating thing. No Jew would ever ask another Jew to wash his feet. It was beneath them. They hired slaves to do that. But Christ, in showing his love, uh, lays aside uh, any exterior I'm, a, I'm better than you, above you, and he's God. And takes the role of a servant, washes the feet of dirty men, failing men. And the men have come into the room competing and seeing who's the greatest. There's no love lost between the disciples. Up to now, I don't know that you could say they love one another. They compete with one another. But I don't know that you could say they love one another. Maybe they love Christ. I'm not sure yet. I know at the end of this book, Jesus asked Peter a question. Do you love me? It's amazing how you can hang out with Christ and maybe not be in love with him yet. Or your love is cooled off. Whatever. But in this context, Satan has entered the heart of Judas. He's gone out and it's night to carry out the plot to sell Christ. Peter, later on in this chapter, will leave Christ as well as all the rest that night. So there's nobody in that room that's a loyal friend to Jesus. Nobody. Nobody's got the kind of love that I'm going to stick around if you face hard times. I'm out of here. But Jesus is showing off his love. And they're astounded at it. A stooping God. A serving God. A God saying he's going to the cross. A God that says he's going to die for them. A God that models something that he says, I've given you an example. Now you follow what I did. So 
The room is full of love only out of one person. The rest are stunned. And so then we come to this section, 31 through 35. It's so familiar that we can make it trite. Let's try to understand it. Therefore, when he had gone out, Judas, that is, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. I think he's not, he, he sees, I'm at the cross, I'm at the completion of my mission, and God's going to get glory. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to you, the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's interesting. He uses two, the words love three times. Your love is to be continuing. Mine is a one-time act. I've loved you here. I'm foretelling the cross. My love act is I came and I died. I want you to continuously be loving one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Uh, The command to love isn't new. He told Israel to love their neighbors as themselves. Uh, But that was national and ethnic love. And Jews became known as haters of the Gentiles and struggled with loving even their own people. And as Jesus illustrated in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so they had that command. Uh, They had the command to love God with all their heart in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, We've got the command to love our wife as Christ loved the church in Ephesians But this command, what's new about it? What's new about it? And I'm going to lift out five things about the new command that I see as new territory. Brand new uh, in every way. But let me first of all give you just a little intro to this concept of love. Love is an ambiguous word. Uh, If I use it this way, you'll understand. Uh, Kid comes in from playing outside. Uh, Mom, could I have a peanut butter sandwich? I love peanut butter, and I love you too. Uh, Or, uh, baby, baby, I love you. Uh, Don't get pregnant on me. Don't get sick on me. And don't get ugly. Because I'm out of here. Was that love or lust? Lust, I want to use you for my own purposes without any commitment to you. No contract here. Whereas, different kinds of love. We don't have any words in English language to differentiate the shades. Lord, I love you. I love my wife. I love my dog. I mean, it goes on and on. And every time in the context, you're saying, what? I wonder what the word love means in their mind. I hope the love for God isn't equal to the love for a dog. 
Well, the Greeks had four different words. They had the word eros, storke, phileo, and agape. The word eros was a word that was based upon externals, uh, the physical. So it became used of erotic love, sexual, physical love. But its basic concept was on what pleases the eye, the external. And uh, Aristotle said it begins with the eye. It's associated with desires and passions. And so, uh, wow, I love that chick. Uh, Oh, I love that car. And you might be just saying, I love the external. I love the figure. I love the beauty of the car, the girl, whatever. And so it was used of the external. Meant nothing beyond that. And uh, having just celebrated by being sick last week, our anniversary, uh, I quote one of my favorite love poems to you. Uh, John's girl is rich and haughty. My girl is poor as clay. John's girl is young and pretty. Mine looks like a bale of hay. John's girl is smart and clever. My girl is dumb but good. But would I trade my girl for John's girl? You bet your life I would. (laughs) See, that's erotic love. That's external. If I get a better deal, honey, I'm out of here. And uh, if you're better looking, you got more money, you got more brains, for the body like mine and the kind of thing you're getting, I got to go where the getting is good. So I'm out of here. See you later. That's erotic love, physical, external. Storke love was the love among family members. I love my children. Uh, uh, I, I love my family. That, and that was their word, storke. Then you have this word, phileo love. We get Philadelphia. It was the love, and it was a love that uh, uh, is a deep attraction, but it was deeper than eros. Because it was the word that came to be used for friendship love. And uh, it was that love that uh, we love the same things. We have the same things in common. Uh, I think it'd be real nice to marry your best friend. Some people haven't married their best friend. They married a body. And they struggle. And they usually terminate a marriage. Because they don't love anything together. They, don't, they haven't found... We have the same values. Carol and I were evaluating our marriage and saying, and we were asking, what, what things do you think have been the glue besides the Lord Jesus in our marriage? And we said, well, trust for sure. And then we said, common values. We both value the same things. That, that's a big glue. It, it won't sell any Playboy magazines. And it won't be on the page of 17. But for the long haul, you better marry a friend. You better marry somebody that you've got some things you find mutual pleasure in. And that is called friendship love. And uh, what happens, if love starts with the external and the physical, Plato had this famous poem on, uh, it was in his book, The Republic. And he said, a base man is that common lover who loves the body rather than the soul. He is not lasting, for he loves a thing not lasting, the body. For when the flower of the body fades, which is what he loved, 
he takes to the wing and will break any number of vows and promises. But the love of a good character remains fulfilled throughout life, for he is fused together with a lasting thing. Character. Character doesn't put on weight, doesn't get ugly, and doesn't lose its teeth, and doesn't turn gray. But if you just love the body, Plato said, you're a vain lover. You're a temporary lover. Because the body can't always look good. It's going to eventually wear out. And so he said, that's the vain lover. The word agape, that became the New Testament word for love, was seldom used in classical Greek. Some, but not much. But in the New Testament, over 150 times. It's just over and over, agape love, agape love. And what agape love came to mean to the Christians was this upper room and Christ. Christ became the definition, a love that will stoop, a love that will serve, a love that will sacrifice, a love that puts me above itself. A love that's unconditional, even when I'm dirty, it washes my feet. A love that is not based on me, but it's based upon the nature of the lover. No one in that room made Jesus loving. Nobody in that room met any conditions. They were all sinners. They were all competitors. And who in the world could ever build a team out of three zealous, competitive Jewish men? I had a Jewish friend who said, the reason God made Gentiles is somebody has to pay retail. And then he told me, wherever there's three Jews, there's four opinions. Well, Gentiles do pretty good on that too. Other words, there are ambitious going, get with the kind of people. How can you ever merge them into a team where they will love one another? Well, I want to look at five different aspects. The first one is the sphere of the love that he's commanding. He's commanding them that uh, they are to love one another. And this will be all believers for all time. Not love fellow Jews, love fellow blacks, fellow whites, whatever your ethnicity is. Whoever knows Christ, you are to love them like Christ. It's not based upon entities of, uh, uh, let's say, racial, national, uh, gender, whether it's a sister or a brother. All of that's obliterated when he says, love one another. And the Gentile world that this was spoken into, the Roman world, was stratified all over the place. There was hierarchy. There were soldiers in the streets. Uh, women were put on the outskirts. They were only necessary for procreation. They had little place in the culture. The men dominated it. There was racial barriers. There was uh, free and bond. There was slave and free. There were those who had it, those who were poor. All of these Different, different barriers and barriers and separating things. The caste system existed. In England, it's, are you a blue blood or just a peasant? Do you own land or don't you own land? And you can't go to the same church as those that own the land. 
The poor man's got to have a poor man's church, and the rich man's got to have a rich man's church. Absolute hypocrisy in light of the verse. The poor folks meet down by the tracks. Us fat cats meet uptown. How can this ever be in the fulfillment of this verse? All dividing barriers. Racial. Gender. Social, economic. It's obliterated. The sphere is not love a fellow Israelite. Love a fellow wealthy person, poor person, someone just like you. You know, it's like in our church. We love diversity, and God's given it to us. But it's not that we just go to church with each other and tolerate each other. Uh, We have each other in our homes. Don't we? Would you go to church with a black person, but you never invite them to dinner? What's wrong with you? Are you better? Are they a brother? Are they a sister? Black folks, when are you going to introduce us to your diet? I love pumpkin pie and I love sweet potato pie. When are you going to have me over? Don't invite me. Are we tolerant of each other? We just happen to show up on the same geography. But we really don't love each other. Ain't about to mix. We've got to keep the barriers. Well, wait, wait. Do, do you love me? Or do you put on a pair of glasses and say, well, let's see what color you are first. Or what gender are you first? Or, uh, are you wealthy? Not wealthy. Uh, what's so, but, oh, but, wait, wait. Are you a Republican? <laughs> That's real important. You've got to know what political party they are. I was in North Dallas and I was with some guys. They could not believe you could be born again and not be Republican. And there was one union man there, John Pugh, who happened to be a Democrat. And I said, you know what? I believe you're going to heaven. That was radical. Nearly caused a revolution. (laughs) The sphere is you shall love one another. And I must say this. I haven't been to every country. But I've been to India, I've been to Morocco, I've been to Spain, I've been to Israel, I've been to Lebanon, I've been to uh, Malaysia, I've been to Singapore, I've been to China, I've been to about 15 other countries, and as soon as I meet a brother and we shake hands, there's instant family kinship, and I don't have any barriers in the way. I'm told we love one another. Just like that. Love one another. Two, he said there's a new measure for our love. He used to say, love your neighbor as yourself. He switched it. Don't love them as yourself. Love them even as I have loved you. Let me ask you a question. How has God loved you? How, wait, do you ever just sit down And uh, I had to do this this morning. I hadn't really thought about it. I thought, uh, if someone asked me, well, uh, you say Jesus loves you. How? And uh, I thought you'd ask that, so I wrote them down. I I wrote things like this. Number one, he sought me out. I would have never known him, but he wanted to know me. 
Whoever takes the initiative impresses me. How did you get to know God? Well, I looked him up. No, I didn't. He, he looked me up. He told them, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And, and I've seen a whole lot of believers I've never chosen. I'll look at the notes. Um, God's people aren't always the nicest people in the world. That's even after God's been working on them. They're not, not easy. A lot of cantankerous saints. It's a shame. He came to where I was. I didn't go up to the throne and bring him down. He came down to the pit to bring me up. Uh, when he found me, he did the washing, but I didn't know the cleanser would be his own life's blood. I didn't know it was that expensive. For me to be clean, he had to die. He actually bought me and redeemed me. Uh, he bore the complete wrath of God against me. And Isaiah said it this way. You, Jesus, were wounded for my transgressions. You were bruised for my iniquities. And the beating or the chastisement, the judgment that brought me peace, you bore. Um. He reconciled me to God. And then it says, I've loved you like the fathers loved me. And I got to thinking about that. But Jesus, you had to be easy to love. You did everything the Father said. You were perfect without sin. When you start loving me, I'm full of sin, full of weakness, full of failings. It's totally different. God loves something perfect. You're willing to love me just like your father loved you. He says that in chapter 15. Now you're going to love something imperfect. Big difference. And he said, I'll tell you how I'll do it. I'll seek you. I'll serve you. I'll sacrifice for you. I'll forgive you. Uh, I'll prefer you over myself. And... I'll make you my own forever. The measure of how I'm to love you is like Christ loved me. Have you ever seen believers that struggle to forgive? Just can't forgive her. Uh, uh, I call them the touchy saints sometimes. Always touchy. Always getting hurt. Uh, touchy, touchy. You know, they had those two people in the Philippian churches. Odious and soon touchy. <laughs> chapter 4. Uh, always being offended by something. Church not friendly enough. Didn't do it. I had one of our elders tell me about a Bible study he has. And the person, don't even go to church anymore, but came to the study and started telling the group, you don't love like you ought to. You don't love me like you should. And you do, 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 do. And uh, love as I have loved you. Take the initiative. Serve. Stoop. Humble yourself. And when you're dealing with fellow sinners who go to the body of Christ, <clears throat> you'll have to forgive a lot, forbear a lot, bear a lot 
Because, see, God puts you in a family of sinners just like you. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Even